Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast from the Wiggly Sofa. No, not this week, not from the Wiggly Sofa. I'm joined today by Farmer Phil and Daniel Pilkington. Ooh, Daniel's a chef. Yeah. Chef Dan. No, chef Dan. Dan. Is that better? Yeah, Farmer okay. Phil and Chef Dan and Ross Boardman. Restaurateur Ross. Restaurateur Ross. Yeah, Ross, thanks for <laughs> having us up to your restaurant. And I've just been around your garden mm-hmm. and witnessed lots of wiggly products and lots of growing action and a smoker. And a smoker. Tell yes. us about that. Well, part of what we do here is in taking a raw product through the whole process of turning into something else and then delivering in the kitchen. And that sounds pretty much what kitchens do. <laughs> but we won't, we won't, for example, be buying in smoke produce. Right. When we can get the best piece of duck, the best piece of salmon, and then cure it and treat it ourselves, that's what we do. Isn't that just a long process when some specialist has got smoking experience? What makes your smoking any better than anyone else's smoking? Well, it looked a lot better than Podchef smoking, I must say. A lot safer, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it was really, it looked like a machine. Podchefs looked like a... A Kazi. It did. With smoke coming out <laughs> the top of it. And flames. Yeah, well... And flames if it all went wrong. Yeah. I think the best way to explain it is we're in control. We can make it as good as we possibly can make it. And I think that's what we're about, really. It's, it's down to us, then. We can't blame anyone, then, if it's just ah. us that's done it. It's all about blame. OK, so... <laughs> Presumably the upside is that then when you go to one of your customers and they say, by God, that tasted good, you can say, well, yeah, I made it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we're in Burton-on-Trent, which I don't know a lot about, and you've got a new restaurant, reasonably new. 14 months. It's a funny time to start the old job, isn't it? Yeah, well, we didn't know that then, (laughs) did we? (laughs) Yeah, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, really? 100% accurate, accurate, yes. Yes. But you're doing well in the sense that you've won several awards. Yes, we have. What, What have you got? Come on. We won Best New Comedy Year in the Staffordshire Good Food Awards. We were really quite chuffed about that. Yeah. Um, we got nominated, but didn't go anywhere near it in the local NFU use of it, local produce. Cause a lot of people really sort of decided, you know, they'd add an extra few Staffordshire oatcakes onto the menu, so we couldn't keep adding more bits in there just to get out. And we came, <laughs> and we came second place in the Brasidier. And we were a UK TV food hero last year, 2008. I think one of the things we're quite proud of, and it's one of those things, it's not necessarily a reward, but it's a badge of honour, we've got five stars in food hygiene. That means now the Environmental Health Office will actually feel happy to come here and eat. Excellent. Now, the thing is, we have brought up with us Farmer Phil's Beef, which is your idea. Mm-hmm. We're going to expose Farmer Phil to Chef Dan, see what Chef Dan thinks of the meat, and learn all about what... Chef Dan is looking for when he wants to serve food to folk who walk through the door of 99 Station Street, Burton-on-Trent. Phone number? 01283 516 859. Website? www.99stationstreet.com. Now shut up. Dan. Hi. What I really want to see is Dan shouting service from his kitchen and watching them all scurry about. It's, it's all rubbish. I'm oh. calm, collected and lovely. Well, I've, I've noticed, I said to Ross just now, you haven't sworn or thrown anything or done anything yet. No, no. But no. then again, now I'm in no. your kitchen, so things could change. It's amazing what thousands of pounds of anger management can do for you. 
Yeah, have a look at this and tell right. me what you think. Okay. I want the truth, man. Okay. I don't want no. Well, you're bigger than me, so that you'll give me the truth anyway. It helps with honesty, that does. <laughs> he is bigger than me. <laughs> this has been frozen, but I did okay. frosted this yesterday. Now, okay. it's vac packed. Mm -hmm. There's some fillet and some rump. Yeah. He's inspecting it. Well, I'm looking for a marbling of fat through the meat. If it's got a good marbling of fat, a good line, lines of fat running through it. Yeah, there's two things that you ought to know about it okay. from that point of view. One is it's a heifer, yeah. which would normally give it a tendency to run to fat perhaps more than a steer or a bull would. And the other thing you ought to know is that it's been finished mostly on grass and conserved grass. It's not a, an animal that's been fed on the winter yeah. and concentrates. Yeah. And given that this was slaughtered in February, mm. so she'd been inside for three or four months by that stage, eating hay, silage, mm -hmm. some vegetable waste products, so, you know, carrots and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And Does a that have any relevance to you, Dan? Do you just want to know... It's, yeah. it's good to know where things come from. The more you learn about it, the more you kind of get a feel for what you're cooking. Yeah. I, I look for what I look for in it, just so it's a good colour as well. You go to a supermarket... Mm. It's bright red, really crimson, and yeah. I don't think that's a good piece of meat because it needs to be really quite dark. That's which been this aged is. for 21 days, 22 actually, yeah. I think, and it's probably been aged for a few more because they reckon that under this backpack process yeah. that he can age it yes. in the fridge, in the backpack. Yeah, yeah. So what um, colour would you describe that then, Dan? And also, is it marbled or is it not? Well, the rump, you don't tend to find the rump to be as marbled because of it being a rump. It doesn't have as large a fat content running through it. Yeah. But I've just looked at the fillet and it's, it's got a beautiful marbling through it, as you can see. It's, it's lovely. So to those who don't know what marbling is like... It's like little it, veins of fat. It's like marbling. little ribbons of fat within the meat. So it looks like a piece of red marble. Yeah, that's it? right, it yeah. Sort of Do you know, Dan, this is yeah. so funny. This is, is just such a laugh because, of course, we have had many years of Farmer Phil explaining to us yeah. that the reason that we can't have Hereford cattle is because people do not like the fat, the marbling, running through the ah, meat. Ah, ah, that's not what I said, It is, is it, no, it, it is. is. Well, I mean, there is a difference between marbling and rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> OK. So, this is quite nice. But they say the proof's in the pudding, of course, don't they? Yeah. So, that's the point. I mean, it looks good, it looks like it's going to be a good piece, but until, you know, you really cook it... Is, what colour is it compared to how, what you would expect? Well, when I was, when I was explaining the, the stuff that I don't think is very good that's bright crimson red, this is combination of purple and it's almost a brown colour, isn't it, really? It's lovely. It's a good colour. feels quite tender as well. Ah. If you, if you get a piece of meat and it, it feels solid, unless it's unless like the fillet, which has a solid a lot, a lot of marbling through it, which keeps it together, then you can feel that it should be quite tender. How do you spec your beef? Do you get it from a butcher or do you go to the farm? What do you say you want? Well, we have a local breed yeah. on the beef, which is Stockley Hurst. No, sorry, I get confused. They get all mixed up, which is Bromley Hurst, which comes from not far away from here, just up the road, actually. Yeah. I actually know the beef because I used to work in the area where it was, so yeah. I kind of know what the meat's like. And when I get it from the, uh, the butcher we use, you know, we ask for an extra aged from the Bromley Hurst cattle, which she does, and, and it comes, and when it comes, you because I know where it's coming from and I know the supply is a good quality butcher, that's why we use them. If it doesn't come right, then we don't use it. Does that mean you have to pay a premium for your meat? Yeah. And... 
does that work? I mean, is there enough margin on... I mean, I, I was talking to a restauranter the night before last, and he said the lowest margin that he makes in the restaurant is on fillet steak, and the highest margin he makes is on vegetarian meals. It's a fair comment. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good idea to pick the steak from the customer's point of view. On the other side of it, with yeah. vegetarians, if you don't mind me blaspheming, <laughs> <laughs> no, with vegetarian food, you tend to have to put more effort into the preparation yeah. because it's a lot harder to make you know, vegetable taste as good a quality as, say, the steak, from yeah. that point of view, of course. I'm sure the vegetarians think that it's, it's all wonderful. But yeah there's a lot more effort and work that goes into say the vegetarian dish than there is on the beef dish so so, I mean it's all I suppose it's all relative good answer Chef Dan good answer thank you (laughs) put me in a corner (laughs) come out fighting (laughs) now I've got a question for you now so producing the the steak to this point is one Mm -hmm. thing but then a lot of steaks are either made or crucified Mm -hmm. with what happens to it between now and the plate yeah so in brief, what is the trick to producing a perfect rare steak, given that you've started with the right piece of meat? Okay, well, I use a char grill to cut, to cut the steaks off. Meaning? It's an indoor barbecue, is right the easier it. way for it to say. But it's a char grill. It's coals underneath. <laughs> yeah, coals underneath with um, like at the barbecue ribs on the top of it, yeah. which we cook on. What I like to do then is. I make sure I use a good rapeseed, a local Staffordshire rapeseed oil. Right. Oh. With a salt and, and pepper in there. So I make a bit like a, just a little layer of it, so then yeah. you can make sure you completely cover. Always dipping it in the steak into the oil. I do the rump at the same time because there's two different thicknesses to them, so they'll take different times to cut. So they've got a good coating of oil. If you're using, say, um, at home, if you use one of the griddle pans, it's, it's the same. To do the same way is the best way. Put the seasoning on with the oil. So then you're not over-seasoning it. And then my char grill have very hot. Yeah. Because I like to cook it. And then we do what we call in a trade is rest it. Yeah. So that the muscles relax before they come out to you. So that way they're, they're nice and tender. So now it's sizzling away. You can yeah. perhaps hear the sizzle. And it's yeah. covered in oil. It's yeah. covered it all over with oil. The rump's got a little bit more fat around the outside of it than the fillet but then the fillet with more marbling will probably make up for that yeah well meanwhile with the with the rump as it's cooking the fat will drip down onto the coals which will cause yeah which will cause the the coals to spark and then you can get that that good barbecuey flavor to it the only downside in a kitchen with all these extractors is you don't get to smell it do you no 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 but after a while you, you kind of shut off to that anyway you you kind of get fed up of smelling things constantly, I think. You know, when you're cooking them constantly, you don't think about it too much, so... I mean, the fillet can take quite a long time because it's got such a depth to it, mm. and it's such a density of meat, they can take quite a while to mm. cook. But the rump should only be a couple of minutes. Mm. And how long will you rest it for after that? About three or four minutes, mm. just to relax. You didn't hammer it and pummel it down, did you? No. Because you see sometimes on the telly them beating the meat. Yeah, well, if you is beat that, it... Is bad quality or is that...? Well, I don't think it helps. Yeah. Um, you, you tend to beat in it to tenderise it. Right. Good quality state, you shouldn't have to tenderise it. You should be able to eat it yeah. as it comes. 
Also, if you batter it out, you're making it quite thin, so it's a lot difficult to uh, get the level of cooking you want, whether you want it medium rare, rare, well done. And that's part of coming to a place like this, that you can have customised food yeah. in a way. Yeah, this is my personal view on it. You hear a lot of people saying that, you know, well, a well-done steak is sacrilege, you're killing the meat. It's your preference, it's how you like it, so it's not my place to, to say it's wrong, really. How do you eat yours, then? Rare. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sacrilege, isn't it, eh? <laughs> I'm being diplomatic now. And how are you going to eat yours, Farmer Phil? I'm going to try and persuade Dan to show it to that griddle for about five seconds flat and are you a, run like hell. Are you a blue, a blue Absolutely. Ah, uh, see, well, I, have a, I, I, I do like to cook blue steaks. It's very rare you actually get a blue steak when you order one. You'll get yeah. a rare one. Yeah, I mean, the secret to a blue steak is getting it warm in the middle but raw. Yeah. Which uh, I do have a little trick of the trade. Ah. Oh, are you going to share it with us? I'm not chef sure Dan? I can share it Come or on, not. Chef Dan. All right. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to pop it in the microwave, isn't he? <laughs> See there, oh, you've killed the secret oh, now. <laughs> you've killed the secret now. A good blue state should be warm in the middle. Environmental health officers will tell you that it's wrong to have a blue steak. Yeah. I also w would not cook a blue steak on the char grill because I don't think it's actually fa uh, fast enough to do it. You get a lovely flavour on there, but I don't think it's fast enough. Yeah. Now. What I do is, is, the warmest part is just above my grill on the kitchen. I don't get so many of the blue steaks, so you can afford to do it with the space. So I would just put it there, so the warmth of the kitchen will just penetrate the meat. It's not going to be there for long, so it's not going to cause any yeah. you know, bacteria problems or anything like that, but it's going to start the heat penetrating the meat already. So that when I uh, cook it on the, uh, on the stove, the very, very hot pan, I've got a bit more control over it so I can get the pan seething hot. So then the heat will then penetrate faster into the centre, but will not cook it as such through. You love cooking, don't you? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been in the chef? And where's Too your long? Hat? Is that a good answer? Where's your hat? I don't wear a hat. Oh. No, I'm too fast for a hat. Of course you are. <laughs> all right. So now I'm going to supervise my own steak being cooked here and make sure you do it right, Chef. Okay, that's uh -huh. fine. <laughs> so we've had the secret trick. So you've warmed the steak yeah. just really gently in the ambient yeah, warmth over the cooker. That's right, yeah. So now you've marinated it in rapeseed oil, which has been seasoned. Seasoned rapeseed oil, and yeah. And now we've got a pan on the stove, this and it is very, very hot. Yeah, I've taken it to smoking because you want to cook this quickly. Yeah. You don't want to, you know, overcook it. You want it blue. Here we go. Within the meat is actually what's stopping it burning, isn't it? That that is yeah. allowing it to cook. Also the fact that I haven't flooded it with oil. Yeah. It's just the meat that's been oiled. So there's not a vast amount of oil, no. so you're not getting any flames spitting anywhere. You're not getting that oil then catching fire, so it's just cooking the steak, no wasted heat. For those of us who like our meat very rare, the idea is to get it warm without that's cooking, right, yeah. I used to be told many years ago, when I was doing blue steaks, that you were supposed to count to 30 on each side, and that's it, but I only think that works with something that's well, thinner. There is a, a blue steak is definitely warm, it's not yeah. like eating raw meat, no, you know, no. a steak tartare or something like that is yeah. a different thing. That's it. And although I love that as well, yeah. it's that texture of having that melt in your mouth mm. experience, isn't yeah. it? 
Yeah, and with the warmth as well. If it's not warm, you don't get the flavours. So now, being a piece of fillet, because it's quite thick, it'd be over an inch thick. Yeah. You've stood it up on end now, on end, just, yeah. just, just to get... You always say there's six sides to a fillet steak, and that's how many cooking sides you have. So you turn it, balance it on each side, then, and that way every part of it's cooked. Yeah. So I'm dribbling again now. Okay. So that to me is blue. That looks fantastic. Okay. We'll go and try it. Go. And Ross, what about all the other ingredients that go in with the meat? Yeah, how do you source that? We use a local greengrocers um, who also sponsor the Taste of Staffordshire Awards. And they'll provide us with great local fruit, great local veg, and also they have good, some good contacts with local cheesemakers. Ah. So we, for example, Daniel's just been uh, hopefully going to be receiving some brand new Staffordshire Gold, which is a, a soft blue cheese. Yeah. Now the Staffordshire itself, it's a gorgeous cheese. It's uh, got um, European domain control. I don't know the, the, the proper term for that, but it's the same as stuff like Hereford, Hereford Perry and Hereford, oh, yeah. Hereford Ships cider has got. Like um, champagne, etc. The very same thing. And also, we're surrounded three sides by the counties who make Stilton. Where you are, are people prepared to pay? Presumably, they have to pay more for this care, this sourcing, the fact that you have to pay more. Do, are they prepared to pay that margin? How does it work? I don't think we charge over the top because we go. We we tend to go back a stage in our, in our sourcing. We will try. Ah, get, I see. We will try and get closer to the farmer. Yeah. Or to the to the producer. So we, we're going straight to the wholesaler. We're not going through a wholesaler then through to a, a consolidator or, or delivery. Business. You mean bookers? Or another, or another generic um, wholesaler. Yes, we, we, we will. We will try and get one step closer. I mean, for example, we do a lot of dealings with Staffordshire Brewery. Yeah. We'll go around to Burton Bridge Brewery. We'll go to Freedom um, Organic Lagers. And we'll buy directly from them. Got you. Daniel will buy straight from R. J. Harrison in Stoke-on-Trent, and they just they're just one hop away from the the people who actually produce the veg. And the steak, basically, we get that from our butchers who are also wholesalers yeah. trade. It's a small family butch called Ian Barkers and Rolston Dove. Great bunch of guys, um, plenty of abuse when you go in there, great crack. Yeah. But they will, they, they get that one hop. Yeah. So in a way, it's a pain in the backside because we've got to go through 15, 20 suppliers to get what we want. But they're either the people who make it or the, just the next generation beyond that. Right, let's go because we've got to eat it, haven't we? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Montycast, one fact this week on beer. Beer was invented in Burton-upon-Trent in the 12th century by the monks because the water here is perfect hardness for brewing. Another Montycast next week. Back in the dining room, here we are. Helen's bringing the food out. It looks absolutely delicious. Courgettes, carrots. Is that Swede, Ross? Anyway, we're just about to do a Burton beer tasting because we're in Burton and we're going for a Burton, which means we're going for a beer? It does. Excellent. So I'm going first because I have got tickle brain with the instructions of what to look for in the taste. Here we go. I'll try not to slip. Tickle brain, I believe, to be over 8% alcohol, so that should finish her off. Wow. Heidi. <laughs> Obviously, right, that <laughs> takes your breath. 
<laughs> it really does take your breath away. It's um, it's uh, hard to describe. I can't pick any of those. On the card is sweet. No, it wasn't. Bitter. No, it wasn't. Hoppy. No, it wasn't. Oh, Mary says it's hoppy. Maybe tropical. No, it wasn't. Malty. No, it wasn't. Burnt. No, it wasn't. Body. No, it wasn't. Alcoholic. No, it wasn't. It was raving mad. That was just tickling my brains and my bosom. That's what that did. <laughs> it's right in here. It's gone right to here. Who took that? They I need to that rename would be, that. Would be described as a beer with body, then. <laughs> a I, I suspect so. Yes. Chickle boob. Yes. Over to you, Ross. What have you got? Well, I've got two here. I've got the Freedom Pilsner Lager. This is brewed about five, six miles down the road at Freedom Organic Brewery. You don't have lager in Britain, do you? Yes. This and this is made. It's all from water weld on the site. It's soil association approved. And I always thought organic meant it just went off quicker, but never mind. It's Do you know, I was going to ask you about organic earlier. Is that essential? Do people no. want organic? All fair trade. They it's, want... It's all about the quality of the produce and the, the welfare. I mean, that's not just the welfare of the product, but the welfare of the people who produce it. Have you made that up because that's what you think, or is that what the customer thinks? I'll give you a good example, our coffee. Yeah. We get our coffee from a guy called Steve Layton, who has a company called Has Been down near Stafford. Yeah. Steve will not touch fair trade because he thinks fair trade is a good product, not. It's a good level of welfare, yeah. but it doesn't always guarantee it's a good product. Ah. So what you can end up with is lots of people producing fair trade produce on the dole because the farm down is producing the same quality, but they produce cheaper. What Steve does is he goes out to all his suppliers, the actual growers, whether it's in Brazil, India, Sumatra... Um, been over to Rwanda, of all places, Indonesia, and all these places, and he'll actually look at the, at the place where they grow it. He'll pay over the odds because that's what they pay for this stuff, it's quality. But above all, he ensures the welfare is absolutely spot on. All right, so, so Steve, not organic, not fair trade, but accountable and transparent. Exactly, a bit like Divine did with chocolate. Yeah. Where they, they, it, they actually understand what's going on with, that, with the projects they sponsor, with, and the chocolate is fantastic. That's what Steve Layton does with has been. He goes out and he'll go to Rwanda. He makes sure there's shoes, there's, there's clinics, there's education, there's clean linen, people looked after. But above all, the coffee is fantastic. Right, get the beer in you. Right. It. Anyway, this is, the, this is Freedom. It's, this is a, their Pilsner. They do a Pilsner, a lager, and this red one over here, which is a bit like an American recipe they have, which is almost like a Sam Adams. Oh, um, yeah. This Phil, is gorgeous. Family-run family run by Ed and Susan. Great people, great lager. Now this is a... Slurp. Nice glugging noise. Here we are. Is it sweet, bitter, hoppy, tropical, malty, burnt, body or alcoholic? It's a cheeky little number, but that's very nice. Floral, grassy, citrus then. I'll and take then, your word for it. All right, next one. This is Burton Bridge. Um, Burton Bridge, Burton Porter, which is a microbrewery. Their pub struck brewery is actually on... Burton Bridge. Do you want to try it as well, Phil? Yeah, I've got some, because I finished my other one, because I was greedy. Okay. Sweet, bitter, hoppy, tropical, malty, burnt, body or alcoholic? Certainly got body. It's a little bit malty. There are little bits of burntness in it, but yeah, nice. Coffee, burnt toast? More burnt toast than coffee, I would say. It's got a kind of edge to it, hasn't it? Mm. Very nice. Come on, let's eat this steak. Right. Here we go. We'll see if Chef Dan 
has made something special out of Farmer Phil's beef. Mmm. Oh, that's lovely. Ready, team? That is Cheers. Just a job, isn't it? A very nice day mm. at Thank 99 you. Station Street. Thank you, Ross and Sue. Burton on Trent. Brilliant. Here's to Burton on Trent. Bye. Bye.